1: didn't come and he didn't come the next Sunday either and he didn't come the next Sunday either or the next Sunday and and on and on it goes but you know it doesn't lessen the reality that the Lord could come at any moment at any hour but the thing is is the scoffers look and say you guys keep saying that how do I know that's gonna happen you know you keep saying that nothing's happened everything remains the same just the way that it was forever As a matter of fact, they say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Do
0: you ever wake up in the morning really tight and sore, realizing you're not getting any younger? Sometimes a hot shower is what's needed just to get those old bones moving. It's in those times that we may want to say, come Lord, Jesus come. Pastor David relates to this and reminds us that just because he hasn't come yet doesn't mean he won't scoffers can say what they want but in the end we know who wins let's not wait till then to start living in victory we are the apple of god's eye well let's join pastor david in the book of revelation chapter 21 with today's edition of the open word
1: My daughter and son in law are in the process of buying a new house. It's not a new house, but it's a new house to them, okay? They sold their other house that they had when my son-in-law's job took them to Connecticut for a year. Now they're back in Tennessee, and they are house hunting, and through this process, she's been sending me links of what the houses look like that she's trying to get because she knows whatever she gets, there's probably going to be daddy dues. I think, that need to be done there. So what they are looking at, and just like any of us would, you know, as we look for a house, usually, unless we are really looking to downsize... We're looking to find a house that maybe doesn't have what the other house had. Maybe it has some attributes that the other one did. Maybe it's a little bit bigger than the other one. There's a little bit more space, particularly if you have children, particularly uh, different areas and seasons of life. It's just different than what you had before. You know the shortcomings of the house that you had, and you're hoping that the new house that you get doesn't have all the shortcomings of what you had before. You keep looking around. You want to make sure that it's in a good neighborhood. You want to make sure that the the house was fairly well taken care of. You want a little bit nicer situation. Basically, you're looking for something substantially more than just remodeling the old version of what you had, for the most part. Go with me on this. Okay. I know some of you say, not me, man. I want something smaller. I want to move. So I can already feel the vibes coming. But go with me here on this. The understanding that usually, particularly in the age group that my uh, daughter and son-in-law are, they're growing and they're looking for that kind of a thing. They want something a little bit newer. They want something a little bit better. A place that doesn't have built-in problems like their old house had. They want a place that they can come to that they can pretty well call home, and they are actually looking for a place that they won't have to move again, and they will have room for the kids to grow. So when we look at that, when we think about that for ourselves, when number one, we realize that where we're at right now, I don't care if you're living in a park model, a trailer, a 3,500 square foot house, what you're looking at, you realize your home currently is temporary, don't you? Your home is very temporary, and you have no clue how long you're going to live there. But there is a home that is being prepared for you as a believer that is an eternal home. And what a great builder, what a great builder that goes before us. Jesus told his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. And if Jesus is preparing the place, do you think it's going to be okay? I don't think any of us, all of us guys that do fix up things, there's not going to be a thing you're going to have to do on that one. Once you get there, it's all going to be done, right? It's all going to be completely prepared. Everything's going to be there, all that we need. Why? Because Jesus is preparing a place for us that where he is, there we might be Also, amen. Amen. That's what we're looking at tonight when we're looking at Revelation 21. We're looking at that new heaven, we're looking at that new earth. And again, Revelation 21 isn't the first place that we've heard of it or seen it written out or that God has spoken about it. It's not some strange doctrine that John is pulling together. Not only did Jesus say, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but you could go all the way back to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah. You don't need to turn there, but you might write down Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17. The Lord speaking through Isaiah says, for behold... I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. That's all the way back in Isaiah. A little bit later in chapter 66 of Isaiah, the Lord speaking through Isaiah the prophet again says, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to the other and from one Sabbath to the other, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. I don't know for sure what kind of a worshiper you are right now. Rather, you are one of those very reserved worshipers and everybody around you is singing out and you're just kind of, Watching the words and you know, you you kinda keep your hands down because you don't want to dare somebody think that you're Pentecostal or something and raise a hand. So you keep your hands out, you're really worried about that. You don't clap because maybe you don't have really good rhythm and you embarrass yourself when you clap or embarrass the people next to you. I don't know what kind of worshipper you are, but you know what? There will come a time when we will all be wonderful, beautiful. Worshippers all together. Number one, we'll have perfect bodies. That means that our rhythm will be together. That means our voice will be good, and the Lord will just give us the words of these songs, and we'll be able to worship together. Well, this new heaven and this new earth is going to be that kind of a place. It's going to be a kind of a place, as he says there, from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me. That's what he says in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 23. Now, at the same time, we move to the new testament and we see the apostle peter again he gives these words of encouragement to a first century church that's going through all kinds of trials all kinds of pressure all kinds of attacks from the enemy and in second peter chapter 3 beginning in verse 10 peter writes these words to the church and as much as it's to the first century church it's to you and i he says know this first know this first That scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Let me ask you right now. Do you think the world is kind of saying that right now? I mean, for years, the church has really been excited about the second coming of the Lord. I think the second coming of the Lord really caught fire, I think, more back in the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, again, if you were involved in church, in an evangelical church that believed in the rapture of the church or that soon second coming of the Lord, you probably right with them were anticipating, man, the Lord can come anytime. Now, according to my math, that's like 45 years ago. And he hasn't come yet. And I've heard preachers say, and I've said it myself, the Lord could come today. The Lord could come this hour. But you know what? He didn't come. And he didn't come the next Sunday either. And he didn't come the next Sunday either, or the next Sunday, and and on and on it goes. But you know what? It doesn't lessen the reality that the Lord could come at any moment, at any hour. But the thing is, is the scoffers look and say, you guys keep saying that. How do I know that's going to happen? You know, you keep saying that, nothing's happened. Everything remains the same, just the way that it was forever. As a matter of fact, they say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And Peter says, but this, they're willingly forgetting that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. No, things don't continue the same as they've always been. There was a time of judgment that God brought on the earth and he warned the people, he warned the people, and he warned the people and they did not listen And yet suddenly the rains came. The rains came down and the floods came up. When that happened, God's judgment came upon the world. Peter says, the heavens and the earth, which are now, they're preserved by that same word. But they're reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. So in other words, God does have a second plan. His first plan was a flood. His second plan is he's going to destroy it by fire. We are reserved for fire. And he goes on to say in verse 8, in fact, you ought to be at 2 Peter right now, just so you can see this again. And I know for many of you, you've heard it over and over and over again, but it really fits with what we're looking at tonight. And you need to be encouraged once again about it. In 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verse 8, but beloved, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, I'm going to take you on a little sidebar over here so you can keep your place in Second Peter. When you think of that, one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. I am an unabashed, unashamed, proud-to-be young earth creationist, that God created the earth in seven 24-hour days, and the morning and the evening were one day, just like Genesis says. You think, well, that's ridiculous. That's impossible. How big is your God? Uh, Maybe your God's not big enough to do that. Mine is. So again, I believe that in six days the world was created, and on the seventh day he rested. Now, if we look at that and we think... Why did God put the ages of all these people in the book of Genesis, and -and so-and-so lived so long, and he begot so-and-so, and and then he died at such-and-such an age, and on and on and on it goes, so that we could look and we could say, wow, time-wise, when you add all those numbers up, all those dates up, and you can do that by going through the book of Genesis, you see that from the time of Adam to the time of Abraham is right around 2000 years. Right around 2,000 years. Now, keep in the back mind, okay, 1,000 years a day, days a 1,000 years, that's two days, okay? Two days. 2,000 years. From Adam to Christ, guess how many years that is? About 2,000 years. That's two more days, okay? From the time of Christ to the time of right now is about 2,000 years. Six days have come and gone. We just spoke in chapter 20 about the 1,000-year reign of Christ. If we've gone six days and that 1,000-year reign of Christ is that seventh day, that millennial reign, then I look at this and I think, wow, we are really and truly in the very last of the last days. And I believe that any moment, at any time, the Lord could come. When we look at it that way and you think, well, does God do that kind of a thing? Yeah, we see it all through scripture. God lays these things out and says, wow, look at these patterns. Look how that works. So we can see that already we are at the evening, in essence, of the sixth day at this point. I believe at the very late hour of the sixth day. And we're ready for that millennial reign, for that thousand year, for that seventh day rest that's there. Okay, that's the sidebar. Now we come back. Beloved, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord isn't slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, and it's going to come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. That is the end of everything that we see, everything that we can even grasp in the heavens and the earth. That is the total end of it, burnt up. It's like a friend of mine always said, he just doesn't worry about much. He says, it's all going to burn anyway. And the reality is there's nothing that we know of that isn't going to burn. Nothing on this earth that's going to last forever. Verse 11, he says, therefore, and this is the challenge to you and I, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, now, do you believe the word of God? That's the question. Do you believe he means what he says? Since it is going to happen, Peter says, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Why do we teach that the Lord is coming to judge his people? Why do we teach that the rapture could happen at any moment? Because, hey, we're just looking for a quick easy out? No. It's for us to understand and know that, hey, the hour is late. And people that we know that don't know Christ are going to go into a Christless eternity. And you and I, even in our lives, we're going to stand before the Lord, and our works are going to be judged. Wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. What are they going to be before the Lord? We don't have that much time to continue messing around playing church. We ought to be believers that are on fire for the things of God Because we know that God's plan and purpose is being worked out. Since these things are going to be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. It's actually Peter's prophecy right there, even more than John in the book of Revelation, that gives us a bit more clarity as far as the demise of the earth and of the heavens right now. Peter clearly tells us that these things are going to pass away, with, the heavens are going to pass away with a great noise, that the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat, that both the earth and the works that are in it are going to be burned up, that the heavens are going to be dissolved, being on fire. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Now, somewhere, somehow, Between those last few verses of Revelation, you can now flip over to Revelation 21. Somehow, somewhere, between the last few verses of chapter 20, where we have the great white throne judgment where we have Satan, who is now, he had been let loose for a season after the thousand-year reign of Christ, he was let loose for a season, and then, again, Christ ended his rebellion, he's been taken, he's been thrown into that lake of fire for eternity now, tormented day and night, forever and ever, and also all those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life are now in that lake of fire. Somewhere between that point and verse 1 of chapter 21... What Peter is talking about takes place. That the heavens that we know of and this earth is destroyed. Now the thing is you got to understand that when he's speaking about the heavens God is wiping the earth completely out along with what is our atmosphere and even what we know as outer space. That's what he's speaking about, the heavens. Don't get the celestial or that eternal dwelling place of God. That's not what he's speaking about. For the Jew, there were three levels of heaven. The first level of heaven was the air that we breathe, the, our atmosphere, where the clouds are, where the rain is. That was the first level of heaven. Second level of heaven goes beyond that into our outer space, where the moon is, where the sun is, where the other stars and the other planets are. That was the second level. The third heaven was in the dwelling place of God. Now, we read about that. Actually, Paul tells us about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 2, 3, and 4. Paul says that I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether he was in the body, I don't know, or rather out of the body, I don't know, but God knows. And he says, such a one was caught up into the third heaven. And that's what he's speaking about, that he was taken up to that celestial dwelling place of God. And he says, I know such a man, rather in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but God knows. How he was caught up into paradise And he heard inexpressible words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. So Paul is affirming and confirming the fact of that Jewish mentality of the third heaven. So when Peter is speaking and when John is speaking and when Isaiah is speaking about the heavens being done away with, it is just what we know, what we can see, what we can touch, outer space, our atmosphere, this earth. Isaiah and Peter's prophecies, John's vision, all of those, they speak of the first and the second heavens being done away with, and a new heaven, a new atmosphere, and and possibly even a new galactic space. Other stars might be done. We don't know that for sure, but we do know that the stars are going to be destroyed and the sun is going to be destroyed. We are in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And John writes, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And also, there was no more sea. So again, that's kind of an interesting thing when you look at it. Not only is there going to be a brand new heaven, brand new earth, but it's quite a bit different than this current one that we're living in. Currently, about 71% of the earth's surface, is water covered. And he says there's not going to be a sea anymore. How is that going to work? How, don't we need that to make the atmosphere and all, all that stuff? Again, how big is your God? And he's going to change everything anyway. We're not going to be like this. We're going to be different. We're going to have glorified bodies at that point in time. This is after the fact. John tells us here there's no more sea. But much more than just the physical difference that we're going to see, there's also some powerful spiritual differences. Listen to what John says in verse 2. He says, and then I, John, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Did you catch that? The new Jerusalem is coming down, prepared as a bride adorned to meet her husband. That sounds a lot like the church to me. The bride coming to meet her husband. And as a matter of fact, that's exactly what it is. We'll see that in a moment. The church had been raptured back in the beginning of chapter 4. They've been in heaven. Now she's coming down from heaven, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, adorned as that bride, down to the new earth where John tells us in verse 4 that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Are you looking forward to that day? No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more weariness, no more disappointments. We look for that day because this earth is full of all that junk.
0: We've come to the end of our time together for today. But if you're not ready to be done yet, you can find additional messages from The Open Word. Pastor David is here to share how you can continue listening. Hey, thanks, Chris.
1: We love getting the Word of God out to as many people as possible. All the teachings you hear on The Open Word have been preserved on our website. You're welcome to access them. Visit theopenword.com to listen to or download the messages God has supplied from His Word. That website again is theopenword.com or you can search for The Open Word Podcast on iTunes and subscribe for free. I'd like to encourage you to take these messages with you on the go. You never know when you'll have a moment of peace in your day, so why not fill it with God's Word? I hope you continue to study the Bible and that it continues to bless you and
0: fill you with His joy. Thanks, Pastor David. We're so glad these resources are available to us whenever we want them. The book of Revelation is so often shrouded in mystery with its outlandish pictures of winged creatures by the throne of God and roaming the earth. As we continue to study, though, we'll be able to discern how these pictures all point to the one spotless lamb who conquered all through laying down his life. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, the lamb, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd love to share the greatest story with you, the one where God came down to earth to join in a relationship with us. That's all for today, but join us next time right here on The Open Word.